Welcome to the GeoMob podcast, where we discuss geo-innovation in any and all forms, be it for fun or profit. Hi, everyone. Ed here. Welcome back to another episode of the GeoMob podcast. Very excited about today's episode because we have a GeoMobster from way back in the day. He last spoke at GeoMob in February of 2011, so 10 years ago. Then after that, he left Europe and headed off to the US, where he eventually started one of the world's leading IP geolocation companies, a company called IP Info. My guest today is Ben Dowling. Ben, welcome back to GeoMob. Really looking forward to hearing your story. Thanks, Ed. Really excited to be here. And uh, yeah, kind of wild that it was it was 10 years ago that I, I gave that talk at GeoMob in London. Uh, frightening, frightening. Give us give us it a is. brief intro. Who, who, who are you, Ben? Sure. So I am, I am Ben, I'm founder and CEO of IP Info. As you mentioned, we're an IP geolocation company. I've uh, been running this now for, for a few years. We primarily sell our services via an API, so an IP geolocation. We, we offer some other, other data sets and we can get more into that. But we are yeah, one of the leading IP geolocation API providers. We did 40 we do about 40 billion requests a month. Wow. Congratulations. So for, for the listeners out there, this is a great success story of a, a geo-based company, but also Ben is a personal idol of mine as someone who runs a, let's say, smaller API-based geo company. So this is exciting. Okay, let's start from the basics, Ben. What is IP geolocation? How does it work? Yeah, absolutely. So IP geolocation fundamentally is given an IP address, what sort of geographic region is it in? And the, you know, the most obvious reason why you might want to get this is you know, if someone's visiting a website, the owner of that website, the operator of the website may want to customize the content, you know, show something specific or just you know, track that, that location for, for marketing purposes, whatever it might be. You know, an IP address on its own doesn't have any context, right? It's just, just a number. And so with IP geolocation, you can take that and then passively get a geolocation for it. So the website owner may say, hey, you know, we've got a visitor here from Barcelona. We've got one here from Seattle. And then you know, there'll be things that they want to do based on having that, having that know-how. So how do you have that information? Where does the data come from? Exactly. So, so the user-facing thing is you know, they'll, they'll send an IP address to our API and we'll come back with like, this is Seattle, this is Barcelona. Now, behind the scenes, we do a lot of work to, to put that together, right? And to create that mapping from IP address to location. We've got a bunch of different data sources, and then you're a bunch of data processing, cleaning up, and algorithms on top of that that give us sort of our output. We rebuild that database daily. Some of the data sources include hostname data, so, so RDNS data, trace route data, who IP who is data, routing table data, active probes. We have a, a big probe network where we send out ping data and trace route data from all these things, and, and then you know, do some processing on top of that to say, hey, you know, for each each IP range or individual IP. You know, here's here's where we think this this ranges. So an ISP might be, yep, this looks like it's in Barcelona, might be Seattle, might be whatever. And then the output of that that whole kind of data pipeline is our geolocation data set. Okay, so some of it's publicly available and some of it you're kind of creating yourself and enhancing, if I understand correctly. Yeah, a lot of the input source data is publicly available. Um, there are a bunch of pieces that, that aren't that we add to it, but a lot of it is is pulling in publicly available data. And then there is you know, a, a set of algorithms and, and data processing on top of that that results resulting in the, the final data set. And how precise is it? How, how well can you know exactly, you know, right where I'm sitting? Yeah, it's a really good question. And so it, it varies dramatically based on like tons of factors, right? And so the factors could be like how how much does the IP address itself move, right? So you know, I'm, I'm sat in my office now in Seattle. My office has probably had this IP address for, for months and will probably have this IP address for, for many months in the future. And so theoretically, right, we could say, hey, this IP address is definitely on this very specific street in Seattle. It never moves. Gotcha. Then there will be other IP addresses. You know, say it's a, a mobile phone. 
right? Uh, lots of mobile carriers use carrier grade NAT and they might pull IP addresses across devices. And so it may be that, you know, the same IP address gets used across the different devices throughout the whole of the US or, you know, the whole of the country. And so what we try and, and so yeah, there's all these, these, these complexities that go into it, maybe that different countries route their traffic in different ways, maybe that you know, per ISP, uh, there are all these different factors that, that determine you know, how, how kind of stable is an IP address, what's kind of area it's used over. We kind of try and abstract all of that away and guarantee a city level result in our data sets. And so you're, even if my office IP, we may be able to tell is you're at this actual address in Seattle. And depending on the data sources, we may or may not, but you're at least theoretically this IP address is tied to this, this single location. We only ever expose city level details. So we'll say, hey, you're, this is in, this is in Seattle, right? We don't go more granular than that. And then for the cases where it's broader than the city level, we'll still give you C level details. So for my office example, you know, Seattle is accurate. That's not probabilistic, right? It's somewhere within Seattle, but saying it's Seattle is, is the C level result for IP addresses where that may not be the case. So for example, a carrier where, you know, this IP address is pulled, uh, we still return a C level result, but it will be based on other factors, right? So if we have some raw data that shows us where this IP has actually traveled, then we may say, Hey, you know, actually, even though we've seen this IP address in a bunch of different cities, you know, most of the data we've got shows that, you know, it's, it's, it's usually in, say, you know, LA. And so we'll give it an LA result. It may be that, hey, we've seen this all over California, right? And there's no real one city we can point to. And so we may overlay like population level data and say, well, you know, if, if this is, hey, somewhere in California, then, you know, based on population density, it's most likely to be, say, in LA. And so we always return a city level result, but that doesn't mean that, you know, every specific IP can be located to that level, but we try and abstract that way. So the, so our customers kind of don't have to worry about it, right? They're like, hey, I'm going to give you an IP and I'm going to get a city. I see. Okay. So so similar to the some of the issues we have with geocoding, the way we handle this, we give kind of a what we call a confidence score, where we say, look, we know it's in this box, but if the box is really big, then you know, we don't know exactly which precise location. Yeah, we have a bunch of that. We have a bunch of those sort of confident things internally. Don't currently expose that in our API. We've had some cust uh, customers that have, have requested that and we've shared it with some specific things. I think that's probably an enhancement we'll add it in the future where it's like, you know, we have all this data internally where like, okay, how do we get to this location? How confident are we? And I think that, that sort of data is probably be available in the API at some point in the future. So when an IP address, so imagine like you're you're unhappy, you said you've been at your office for a long time there. And you've had the same IP address. And then imagine you get, you know, your connection is no longer good and you switch ISPs. And so presumably they assign your, your IP address then to a new customer. How, how do you find out about that? How, what's the data flow there? Yeah. So there are a bunch of different ways that things can change. And this is why it goes into, you know, like how precise can you be? And you have know, a bunch of the challenges we have internally in sort of like measuring our accuracy and things like that. So it could be that, you know, it could just be that maybe I just reboot my router in the office and I get a new IP address, right? Right. And then you know, that IP then has been assigned to a different business, right? So, so the other one could go somewhere else. But depending on my ISP, it may be that, you know, they just give it to someone else down the street, right? Or they give it to someone else in Seattle. So the geo, even though there's been a change in like who's connected through that IP, even though maybe a change in business, there may not be a change in location, right? They could say, right. hey, this is our pool of Seattle IP addresses. We're going to give it to someone else, but the location won't have changed. Could be that some ISPs will say, hey, this goes back into the, the pool, you know, for the whole of the US and it could tomorrow end up in, you know, New in Jersey Miami. or yeah, yeah, absolutely anywhere. And then it could change where my ISP sells a bunch of IP space, you know, and so, so we see that more and more where, um, you know, as there is a shortage of IPv4 addresses, there's more and more trading of addresses and selling of blocks. And so it could even be you know, more extreme where it's not just, oh, my ISP is sending it to some of their customers the other side of the country. 
you know, we're seeing like net blocks in some European country that, you know, AWS have, have bought, right? And so this was like, oh, this was an IP address that was uh, in Germany, say, or France, and then all of it, and, and was a, was consumer ISP space that, you know, was, was home users. And now all of a sudden it's like hosting in East Coast of the US. Uh, wow. and so th okay. th these changes happen frequently. I think our data sets change on average. It's between five and 10% a month. The vast majority of it stays consistent month to month, but there, is, there are changes that happen every month. We pick them up, basically all the different data sources we have, which are, you know, rooting table data, who is data, host name data. The change will usually be reflected in one or more of those, right? And so, like I said, we rebuild most of our data sets daily. And so the change should automatically be picked up. We, we ship fresh data to our API daily. And so, you know, if, if, if an IP changed, we may lag behind capturing that. But we should capture it pretty quickly. And so, you know, there, there may be like a one or two day lag if an, if an IP address changed from Seattle to Miami. You know, within a few days, we would show Miami. What tends to happen though is even though five or 10% of that data may change per month, there isn't much IP space that changes really frequently, right? So it's not popping up in like, oh, it's Seattle today, Miami tomorrow, you know, San Diego gotcha. the day after, you know, it's Germany the day after that. And in those cases, that would be much harder. But generally, things are, things are relatively static, right? So it may shift from Seattle to you know, Miami the next day, but it will probably be in Miami for a while. Okay. So one of the big joys of Geo is, of course, the crazy edge cases. And so I was asking someone, I told him that I was going to be uh, talking with you. And he had an immediate question. What about the computers on the space station? Yeah. I, presumably they have IP addresses as well. How do you, how do you tag those? How do you, yeah, what's the question? I think we, we've had this question as well. I can't remember if it's from a user, but about Starlink, right? So that was going to be the Starlink IP, oh, right, of course, IP yeah. addresses. And you know, where are they going to be? I actually don't know what we, so what we had for Starlink at the time was Starlink HQ, right? And so, so the, like the ground station. Space stations are like an, an obvious example, right? It, it's, it's not on Earth. Like, like, what do you say for that? <laughs> there are other examples that are interesting, like any cast IP addresses, right? That are IP addresses where, you know, it's like traditionally people think of an IP address as has one location, right? Or maps to one device. But with any cast, you, know, you have one IP address that can map to multiple devices or, you know, so, so like Google's 8.8.8.8, .8 .8 .8, you know, public DNS, right? That isn't one server, right? That is, uh, oh, right, of course, like, yeah. like, that's, that's like 20 load balancers, each of which goes to like, you know, hundreds of devices probably. Uh, and yeah. so in those cases, get more into these edge cases, there are more and more of these, these types of things, right? And so what we have for any cast is we have any cast detection now. And so we'll say, uh, we now say in our API, you know, if you put in 8.8.8.8 .8 or, you know, other popular ones, 1.1.1.1. But there, you go, there are a bunch of not well-known Anycast IP addresses, right? And so that's an interesting thing to know. And so what we do in those cases is we return our API, hey, this is Anycast, right? We've detected it as Anycast. And the way that we detect that is we, you know, from our, from our probe network, if we're seeing ping results from like, you know, 10 places around the planet that are faster than the speed of light, you know, we, we know that this, this can't be in one location, right? This has to be an Anycast result. And so we flag that, but then we still, you know, like, like I said, our guarantee is that we always give you a city, right? And so that, that just simplifies the, the process for our users. You know, if they want to do some website customization, they, they may not want to get into the granular details of like, okay, is this really sure. a city, right? They just want to kind of show something. Uh, so we return the flag that, hey, this is an Anycast IP address, but then we'll return the address of the, of the owner of that IP space, right? And so for like Google's 8.8.8.8, we're like, hey, this is Mountain View, California. But then there's this flag to tell you, but it's not really, right? I mean, if you, if you want to uh, show see. something okay. or do something, like then, then you know, California is a reasonable uh, thing to show and a reasonable thing to do. But heads up, it's, it's any cast and it's, it's kind of not really there. Gotcha. Gotcha. I notice um, when I go to your, I actually use your site quite a lot whenever I need to find out my IP address, because obviously if you go to it, you know, without giving it an IP address, it, it detects my own location. And uh, the last time I went, I noticed it then prompt me to, 
you know, a little pop-up came up and says, is this data correct? You know, and I could confirm it. So are you, are you also crowdsourcing from the, the users and the customers? And, and would, how does that work? Yeah, that's something we recently added. We don't use that, the results of that directly in our geolocation data set. What we started asking for that for is to come up with some internal accuracy metrics and track how improving over time. Okay. Uh, so yeah, if you go to one of our IP pages or yeah, and we get a lot of traffic to our various IP pages, you know, through Google and things, uh, we'll now ask you and say, Hey, look, you know, we're, you're looking up this IP address. Are you where you say you are? Are you, are you where we, we say you are, right? It's yes or no. And if there's no, then we, you know, we do the W3C geolocation thing to try and try and get a location fix and ask the user if they want to share that. Uh, and then that goes just into a, into a data accuracy pipeline for us where we're measuring, um, you know, how many people are saying yes, how many people are saying no. For those that said no, where we have the location, you know, how far were we and, and track that over time. And it's, it's really interesting, actually, because, I mean, you know, like you say, the edge cases in geospace, we're getting to the point where, obviously, when we first started working on this problem, right, there, there are lots of places where we say, hey, you know, we, we say that you're in San Diego. And they're like, no, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in Miami, right? And so it's like, oh, we got this badly wrong, right? You're, like the, the issues that we're fixing now tend to be more geo issues than like IP geolocation issues where people are like, hey, you know, you say I'm in Pennsylvania, but really I'm in, you know, this neighborhood, right? And you're looking at the map right, and you're like, it. wait, but like to, on Google Maps, that looks like you are in Pennsylvania, you know, right, and right, to someone, sure, yeah. someone else around the world, they may think that that's Pennsylvania, but they're like, no, you know, I'm, I'm in this neighborhood that's definitely not Pennsylvania. It's, it's you know, uh, so then you get into the whole like geo hierarchy thing, right? Like, is this a suburb of, of Pennsylvania? Is this really a separate town? Uh, and all those sort of fun geo issues. Yeah, that's a, a level of pain I know well. So yeah, so so yeah, I saw the the reason I pinged you about. Did you you get that? That was my IP joke there. I pinged you. Nice. The <laughs> the reason I pinged you was I saw you you did a kind of twenty twenty summary tweet, and you said you guys are doing you know half a trillion API requests in twenty twenty, which is phenomenal. Congratulations. Yeah. That- so what, what? Tell us about the business side of things. So, so who is doing so many API requests? Like, who are and who are the customers of the business? What's the business model? Like, how, how does it work? That, I mean, that's a pretty mind blowing stat, even for us. It was you know we we track our volumes daily and we have internal reporting, but you know it's only getting to the end of the year and then you know summing it up and being like, wow, actually, you know, we almost broke half a trillion API requests, which is crazy. I mean, you know, we're consistently doing over a billion API requests a day now, which is pretty incredible. I mean, the, the caveat on that is that you know, we offer a, we're a freemium API, right? And, and so you can call our API without being a paying customer. And so you know, we're not getting paid for those half a trillion requests, right? Um, and it's unlimited? Of, I, can call the, I can call as many times as I want? Or, no, it's or not unlimited. So we have, we have a couple of offer, offerings. Uh, we have an unauthenticated API, which is what our API was initially. You know, it, was just, it, was, it was only a free plan. No need to sign up for a token. Uh, you can just, you know, curl IP info or whatever, it would return your results, no API tokens, no nothing. We still operate that. It's sort of like feature frozen, right? Like it, it comes with whatever it does as we add new features and, and new data fields. They go into our, still in our free offering, but our authenticated API. So the unauthenticated API has a thousand free requests a day. No need to sign up, no need to do anything. You can just hit IP info via curl or you know, if you're on a low volume website, you can do that. Uh, we rate limit that to a thousand requests a day. If you sign up for an API, to, and it, you know, when it stops, it just stops, right? We return with, with 429, but you're not going to get a notification. You may not know that it stopped working if it's on a website or whatever. Then we have gotcha. an authenticated API where you sign up, you get an API token. Uh, the current limit on that, I think, is 50,000 requests a day. Uh, sorry, a month. So that there's monthly limits on those. And then the experience is better in terms of as you approach limits, right? We have your email address as you, and it, with the limit being monthly, as you approach it, you know, we'll send you an email and be like, hey, heads up, you know, you've hit 80% of your monthly limit. And you know, as you hit your limit, and then we, we can you know, say, hey, you know, do you want to come and come and 
subscribe to a plan where you can you can make those additional requests. And so the bulk of our requests are f- from free users, right? And so we have we have a, a really long tail of you know, all sorts of websites, mobile apps, you know, just people with with scripts that are you know just just paying us to to collect data. And so you know, the, the the vast majority of those you know the billion requests we get daily are free requests, whether that's authenticated or unauthenticated. But yeah, we have we have a lot of customers. Well, I think we we have I think we're approaching fifteen hundred paying customers. And then you obviously you know, it's it's like a power curve, right? We have some like you know, our, our biggest API consumers. Uh, you're know, probably the top two paying customers may consume you know, as much as you know maybe the next ten or twenty paying customers. So you have some very high high volume customers. Wait, give give us. I mean, if you don't want to share the name, but give us the profile of these kind of companies. Like, who needs this? Is like ISPs or something, or, or like who's doing that many IP lookups? Yeah, so we have we have some ISPs, we have some mobile carriers. They tend to be high volume. We have sort of ad networks. Um, right, we okay. have uh, cybersecurity companies. Uh, so I mean, there's there's various different use cases, right? And so we we talked a lot about the geolocation, and that's that's you know probably the most common. And it's like, hey, someone vis- hits your website, you call our API, and then do something about that result, right? And that may be user visible. It may be you know, say, good evening, Ed. How's the weather in Barcelona? Right, a very trivial kind of personalization for me. It's like, hey, you know, good afternoon in Seattle. Um, right. It could be it could be a change to the content, but it's not 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 user visible. So it may be that you know if you visit from Barcelona, there's a link to you know Amazon .es, and you know, I see a link to Amazon.com. Um, I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't see the difference, but the link takes me to a different place. Uh, so yeah. those sort of invisible customizations, and then there are uh, so, so yeah, that's a very common one. But then there are beyond geolocation. You know, we also have carrier detection. So we'll say, given an IP address, do we think it belongs to a mobile carrier on which one? And so your people use that to say, okay, is this person visiting a website you know, on a mobile carrier? We have privacy detection. So is this person visiting from a VPN or a proxy? And then that goes back to some of the stuff we talked about where we talk about confidence, right? And so it's where we say, yeah, you know, we're always going to give you a city, but then some of our other data sets are caveats on that, right? So we say, hey, you know, we think okay. this is someone visiting from San Jose, but heads up, it's a mobile carrier. So like, it's going to be less precise. Or like, heads up, you know, we've detected this is a VPN. So the chance of them actually being there is, is slim, but, you know, just so you know, it, it's also a VPN. And so, so, you know, some of these other data sets have more specific use cases around cybersecurity, around payments fraud, around, you know, forum spam, all these kind of, kind of things. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, I remember when, when IP Info first started, you know, you, you kind of got a lot of press on the internet because you, you said you had kind of whipped it up in a weekend and stuff. And obviously I don't, you know, I doubt it's you, you know, in your bedroom on your laptop doing a trillion API requests. How big is your team now? Like, like, this sounds like a real operation. Yeah, this is I mean, this is this is definitely now a real operation. So we've come a long way. I think that was you know seven or eight years ago. I, I literally whipped it up over the weekend, right? It was running on a you know five dollar a month server or something. Um, you know, just downloaded some publicly available data sets, wrapped it in a small API, used it myself and posted it to Stack Overflow in the hope that other people would find it interesting without any intention of of you know growing as a business or expecting it to be a real thing other than than some you know useful useful API. But very quickly, you know, People started using it and using it a lot. And so that's when I sort of layered on paid plans and you know, then it started becoming a business. And then we started investing really heavily on building our own data sets and improving the, the data that we had, right? So we would get feedback saying, Hey, you know, your API is great. You know, it's, it's really responsive. It hasn't gone down, but you know, heads up, you, you got my location wrong. Mm-hmm. So initially we're like, Hey, it's not our data, you know, like go complain to our data provider. And then we realized, Oh, wow, you know, there's actually a, a gap in the, in the data quality here, right? That, that we're well positioned to address because you know we're, we're getting this feedback. And so then we went 
went to work on like, okay, how do we build our own you know, data sets from scratch? How do we make them be high quality? How do we improve them over time? And that's been you know, a, a multi-year journey that you know, as we, we've learned a lot. We've, we've, we've kind of developed a bunch of skills. And yeah, so now we're, we're a team of 15 people. You know, a big chunk of that is, is data engineering, working on the, the geolocation data sets and our data quality. You know, there's a web team that are you know, keeping the API up, that are, that are building out all the, all the web tools. You know, in the very early days, if you needed to make a change, you'd have to email me, right? I would like send you a Stripe link where you could change your credit card. Obviously, all that's, you know, now that's all, all you know, there's a whole oh, web portal automated. where you can, can change all these things. Yeah, exactly. Um, We've got a support team that, you know, respond quickly to people interested in buying our data, people that, that have got issues with the API. So, yeah, there's, there's a, it, it's come a long way from me sat in a, sat in a basement shipping every weekend. Well, congratulations. It's a fantastic success story. So, Thank well you. done. Any advice for members of the GeoMob community out there thinking of starting a business? Any learnings think, from, from the journey? Yeah, I mean, I think in, in some ways, no, right? I mean, I, I kind of stumbled onto the success, right? It was, a, it was a need that I had, helped me and helped a bunch of other people and then kind of very organically grew into business. So I think that, that's been fun, but you know, I, I can't pretend to be, uh, you know, hey, here's, here's a great way to come up with ideas, right? What I, what I will say is I think that the great thing about Geo is that it's a great way to build like a very specific product that is useful for other people. You know, as, as you and I know, these edge cases in Geo, like it becomes this, this big hairy problem, right? And where you're just like, oh, I just need this quick feature. But the deeper you get into it, the more there is, right? The more edge cases, the more kind of you know, domain specific sure. stuff. And for most people, you know, most products or whatever, Geo is just this, this it's not something that people want to get deep into, right? They just, they want a map or they want an address or they want another used location. And so I think Geo is a great, area to build sort of like specific pieces of functionality and build a business around them. Um, and we've seen that with lots of our customers. You know, we've had some customers that have come to us and say, hey, you know, we were doing this stuff in-house before, but like it sucked. And like the deeper we got into it, the, the harder we realized it was. You know, we just want to kind of go and pay someone to do this for us. And you know, that we're like, hey, we, we like we love working on this stuff, right? And we'd love to kind of, you know, iron out all these edge cases and get deep on it. So I do, I do think that that's a great thing with Geo is it's like almost infinite depth on the problem space. And it's like a problem that generally most companies don't want to get stuck into, right? They just want to go solve their problem and outsource sort of like layers of the Geo stack. Uh, and so I think it's a great area to sort of like start businesses and offer like, hey, we solve this piece, right? IP geolocation, you know, for you, geocoding, you know, and I suspect there are, there are many, whether it's maps or your other, sure. other kind of piece of that, I think there are lots of businesses that, that could be successful in, in this space. Yeah, very true. Our, our best customers are the ones who first tried to do it themselves. <laughs> and then, yes. uh, because they, they realize how hard it is, right? They, they well, get the value. Unlike a lot of other software businesses, usually in a software business, it's just like, okay, I got to figure out how to set up the software and configure it, and then it works. But with Geo, the world keeps changing. So it's yep. not about, you can't just set it up. Like you've got to maintain it. Otherwise, it very quickly decays. So there's a huge ongoing operational challenge. And uh, and so, yeah, again, congrats to you and your team that you're able to, to stay on top of that because it, it, that sounds uh, very dynamic. So Cool. Thank you. Very good discussion. So, so what's next? What does twenty twenty one hold for IP info? What are what are? Yeah, the... so I mean, the, the thing we're always working on is just improving the accuracy of our data sets. Right, we're we're in a position where we're pretty happy about the accuracy of our data, but you know that is a an ongoing issue. And like you mentioned, your know, IPs change location. Like this is you know a dynamic thing. So that's just ongoing work and and something we're we're constantly striving to improve and you know, really be world class at. So that your geolocation is a big area. Privacy detection API. That's a a newer product for us. We launched that I think at the start of last year. We've We've had, a, we've had a bunch of success with that, but that's something we're, we're investing in further is you're improving our VPN detection, getting more kind of signals and things around that. And a new product we launched not too long ago was uh, host.io, which is basically IP info for domain data. And so we'd already been collecting a bunch of this domain data and processing it internally for some of our 
IP data sets, so you know, which domains are hosted on which IPs, um, mm. you know, what's the company behind which IP. We kind of had a bunch of this stuff internally. And then we had a bunch of customers that were like, hey, you know, can we get at some of this data that we know you've got internally? We may have, you know, showed it to them. And so we built out a uh, kind of a proof of concept API around that and launched that and have had a you know, bunch of happy customers. And so that's something we're going to invest in further this year as well. Well, congrats, man. That's great. Excellent. How um, how can people get in touch with you if, if this conversation has has raised their interest? Yeah, awesome. So the IP info I is our website. If they want to find out more about you know, our products and offerings or want to look up an IP address, which is the, the free API if people want to sign up and, and play around with it and uh, get started. I'm on Twitter, Codaholic at Twitter. The company Twitter is ipinfo.io. And you know, feel free to shoot me an email, Ben at ipinfo.io. Very nice. We'll, we'll make sure to get all those links in the show notes. That's perfect. All right. Thanks cool. a lot, Ben. Appreciate you coming on the show. Awesome. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today and listening to the GMOP podcast. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the discussion. Please don't hesitate if you have any feedback for us or any suggestions for topics that we should cover in the future. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, if you're not yet on the mailing list, please do get on the mailing list where we once a month send out an email announcing future events, summarizing past events, and just generally sharing uh, events that you may find of interest. You can also, of course, follow us on Twitter, where our handle is geomob. You can follow Stephen at Stephen Feldman. You can follow me at Fryfogel. You can check out Mappery at mappery.org. And of course, if you need any geocoding, please check out my service, which is opencagedata.com. We look forward to you joining us again at a future episode and, of course, seeing you at a future GeoMop event. Hope to see you there soon. Bye.